I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We've all had the experience now of learning online and it makes a big difference when you're sort of thrust into that due to a pandemic as opposed to making an actual decision about what's best for your child, whatever the situation. So today I'm delighted to be chatting to Rob Leach and he's the executive headmaster of My Online Schooling, one of the leading international online schools delivering a high quality British education to students in the UK and around the world. Now, I'll let Rob describe exactly the types of pupils and the reasons why people decide to do online schooling. But it's a fascinating conversation and I really hope you enjoy this, my conversation with Rob Leach, all about my online schooling. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's been an interesting two years and online schooling in various versions, obviously, is on the forefront of everyone's mind. So it's going to be a very um, interesting, but I think important conversation that we're going to have today. So thanks for being here. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, really keen to discuss online schooling, not just as the immediate response to the pandemic, but also uh, as a permanent part, really, of the menu of educational delivery going forwards. So why don't we start with um, with my online schooling? When did that start and, and how does that sort of, like, say, fit through this sort of recent history as well? Yeah, it's, it's been an incredible journey. So my online schooling started, it was founded in 2016. Uh, our founder and CEO, Tom Crombie, set it up, I think, with a laptop in, in a bedroom somewhere. And it was just one or two students effectively having some tuition. Um, and it's grown remarkably. So we now have 1,200 students uh, across 80 countries uh, around the world, an incredibly rich and diverse school community. We have year three all the way through to year 13 in terms of the provision that we offer. Around 50% of our students are based in the UK, about 50% are international students as well. Recently, we've been accredited as a Cambridge International School, which has been a, a brilliant benchmark for us. We've been working in partnership with the Department for Education uh, when it comes to the new uh, assessment uh, system that's going to be in place for online schools to, to get DFE accreditation. Ofsted will be the, the inspecting body. Um, and really recently, we've managed to launch our latest office in Dubai. So we have offices in Edinburgh, Dubai, Perth, Australia, and we'll shortly be opening our London base too. So whilst we're an online school, really keen to have a physical base in some of the regions around the world where we have significant numbers of students and families. And I guess that's the thing, isn't it, is that I think one of the things which has been the strongest, uh, I guess, sort of feeling as we've 
gone through these sort of 260 odd episodes now is the fact that it's about community and that's sort of peer to peer it's colleague to colleague um school to family and that communication that sense of being a community even like you say if it's online to a certain extent having that physical connection or somewhere Mm. where you can meet up is a really important factor absolutely the the community's at the heart of our school really and sometimes people might look at it and say it was an online school how do, how do you have community uh, but for us the opportunity for our students to make friendships with other young people around the world gives them those global connections to, to be in the same classroom I was in a classroom the other day just just watching a lesson and there was a great discussion going on it was a geography class and some of the students who were debating with each other, one of them was from Kenya, one of them was from Singapore, one of them was from the Scottish borders, and one of them was from Birmingham, and they were in a breakout room. And what a rich discussion that was, but also in terms of their the friendships that they have, uh, real connections that they're gonna have for life, you know, friendships that span the globe, and they're gonna take with them into their future careers and industries as well. So we should probably talk a little bit about why it was started to begin with like i said you said probably in that sort of uh sort of bedroom kind of scenario with a couple of pupils why jump into that to begin with and and, and how come you've managed to expand and have the breadth that you've got so far yeah absolutely and i think uh, all of us as educators have seen this in different ways and i think tom our, our founder saw it very much through the lens that the traditional bricks and mortar physical school um, wasn't working for all students. And there are some students, particularly some vulnerable students perhaps, uh, either because of mental health or anxiety, uh, or because of special educational needs not being met fully, or because of a bad school experience that they've had when it comes to bullying, or the fact that they happen to live in a location where they don't have, in their view, a good school within their postcode area. All of those different contexts meant that there were some students who were simply not thriving in their traditional school settings. And I think that is something that certainly since I joined my online schooling as executive head teacher, I've really felt quite keenly. My previous uh, school when I was a head teacher was a physical school in London, 1,600 students. And I know even within that school, how many students would struggle with the corridor transition, with the disruption to learning that could take place in lessons, with break times and lunch times. Um, And actually for some students, the flexibility uh, of being able to learn from the comfort of their own home environment is a real uh, benefit of an online school. And we've seen so many students who were disengaged from education becoming re-engaged since being with us at my online schooling. So can you talk us through what their school experience will look like on a, a daily or weekly or monthly basis, depending on how, how you sort of format that? And I guess specifically that's going to be, you know, how much time face to face, how much time working in small groups or all, all that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So students with us have a timetable just like they would in a physical school. So their, their week is structured and scheduled. All of the lessons are live, uh, but of course we have the benefit of being able to record all of those as well. So if a student does miss a lesson for any reason, or if they're revising for their exams towards the end of key stage four or five perhaps, then they've got that bank of resource as well, which of course you don't get in a physical school. So students will uh, have, have their normal timetable, their lessons will be live. We cap our classes at 20. So it's a much smaller ratio than you'd find in a typical physical classroom. And that just means the teachers get to know their students better, but also they have more time for each individual student when it comes to interacting with them 
and assessing their progress as well. So we are able to have breakout rooms online where students do small group work in the lesson, but we also have um, both the audio, but also the, the text chat functions as well, so that, that students can engage constantly with their teachers, get feedback, show the work they're uh, doing in class. Um, and therefore, what we tend to find is that because there is no disruption, the amount of learning that takes place in classes is far accelerated from what you would traditionally find. Um, and that's why some of the outcomes that we've managed to achieve as a school community have been so impressive when it comes to GCSE and A-level results as well. And I guess it's that thing that sort of the communication as in sort of between students can be more, but like say less disruptive in terms of just volume and as you would normally get in a classroom as well. And I think that's a much more of a working environment, isn't it? Because you can use that in the best way that suits you from a, a supportive point, asking questions, sort of like say like-minded people working in, in a similar way. It is. I think it's much more realistic um, in terms of preparation for working life actually in terms of how we work in teams and organizations and the job place um, but it also means that students develop lots of confidence and they feel able to participate in a way that perhaps there'd be some barriers to in a physical class and when you do have more students in the room when you are perhaps a bit more self-conscious where you do perhaps have some disruption as well so there is total focus in classrooms uh, which is fascinating to watch particularly when you have been in a physical school environment i used to say to people when i first took the job when i used to walk into my my previous school's head teacher I'd, I'd get to my desk in the morning i i would have a good idea about how my day was going to be planned out and then someone would come running in and say oh no rob there's mice in the canteen or there's a pipe that's burst or there's electricity that's gone down in this building and all of those distractions and disruptions just take up so much time and attention and energy and can take that away from really high quality teaching and learning which is what we're able to focus on with a hundred percent of our attention and do you still have some of that going through in terms of technical issues and i guess that that, that also probably takes us into you know how you build your platform and exactly people engage i guess through a portal yeah i mean i think it's in, in some respects, when we talk about the pandemic as, as horrendous and dreadful as it has been, clearly what there has been is a lot of technological advancement in a very short period of time that perhaps wouldn't have happened at the same pace or rate. And so actually the platforms that we use are extremely reliable. We very rarely have any issues or, or concerns at all. We actually use Zoom for our lesson delivery. Um, so we're one of their education partners. So we trial out new features and, and bits and bobs. So all of our students are um, engage in their lessons through Zoom. And then we have a platform where they will have their homework assignments, where they'll um, upload their summative assessments, where they'll get feedback on their work. Uh, but also it's where we host their online common room, for example, and our online library and all those sort of features of school. So that's hosted on a separate platform. So really for students, they have their two platforms that they tend to use for their lessons and then for all of their learning resources and extracurricular activity. And take us into to the breadth of subjects that you that you cover. You sort of talked about sort of key stage two through through to five. Um, and does, does it have the sort of breadth that you'd have in a traditional school as well? I'm sort of thinking about sort of that sort of PE kind of games kind of idea. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, we do. So our key stage two, so our junior school students study the full range of the English national curriculum. So they have, just like you would in a physical school, one teacher uh, who's their class teacher for all of their subjects areas um, and, and they have all of them. 
one of the things that they love doing here is the active hour that we have, which is effectively their PE class. Um, think a little bit like Joe Wicks during the pandemic, that sort of style of delivery. Um, and our students in the junior school can see each other in their own homes doing their exercises, which for many of them is a real highlight of, of their week. So yep, so our junior school students will do English, math, science, reading, humanities, creative arts, PSHE and active hour. And our junior school students can opt into computing and a language as additional subjects if they if they wish to. We then have a key stage three program as they go into secondary school. Uh, again, there's some different options here. One of the real benefits of online schooling is flexibility. And therefore, we have some families where they, they want their, their, their children to do two or three subjects with us. We have others where they want their children to do eight, nine, ten subjects with us for key stage three and into key stage four as well. So there's a bit more flexibility in the secondary school, but we offer the full plethora of qualifications and subjects. Um, and at key stage four, our students study for the international GCSE and for our A-levels, they follow the Cambridge International or Pearson's Edexcel programmes. And you talked about sort of the global element of it. I guess that brings with it its issues in terms of time, um, different um, time zones and, and and all of that kind of thing so does that sort of affect how you sort of group the classes in order to fit that especially if you like say you've got sort of the, the live element absolutely so we we do run uh, a timetable that has a number of different um options throughout the day so some of our classes will start at 5 a.m uk time um and, and the students that sign up to those tend to be students perhaps that are in the middle east where they're those three four hours ahead um so we cater for different time zones around the world effectively and there were different class options so if i chose to do history at secondary i'd get four or five different classes at different times that i would be able to choose one of those to subscribe to and become a become a class member of and how long are your classes i know so that sort of zoom fatigue that i think so many people felt during the pandemic how, how does your how does your timetable get structured so that you can sort of make the most of like say having the, the ability to design your own time yeah. for a start rather than having to fit into what is deemed to be the norm that's right so um our lessons are one hour in length but what we have when it comes to the timetables there's always breaks after lessons before a next lesson would begin uh, and then it depends on the number of subjects you're signing up to and it depends on which time options you you pick so it could well be on a monday because it's down to the design of you and your family that actually you have two lessons in the morning you then have a three hour break and then you've got one lesson in the afternoon for example um, so every timetable in a way is quite individual to the student and to the context of the family there was a really um fun story recently one of our students um is within a family and, and the mum and dad decided they wanted to take their kids abroad and travel the world um, but they wanted to continue their education so uh this young man was was dialing into his lesson from base camp on everest uh which he was going to do his science lesson once he finished it they were heading up everest to climb so that sort of flexibility is one example of how people can build a timetable that suits them and their lifestyle uh, but equally it can look very similar to a physical school one if you so wish and why do you think well first of all you know why why the british curriculum or the english curriculum why go down that route like say if you're starting an online school in, and it, i guess it could be effectively anything um and and then following on from that what do you think the benefit of that is because if you do have sort of like say people coming in from all around the world there must be a reason why they've picked my online school as opposed to a, another option yeah i think the the 
rigor, the reputation um, and the history of, of the English national curriculum being held across the world in quite high esteem, uh, both by other governments and, and countries, but also amongst uh, aspirational families and parents within some communities where perhaps they haven't got an education system that's developed um, to the same extent. So it's, it's been an attractive education brand effectively around the world that people like the idea of. Um, and of course, for a school, one of the, as with any school, one of the key priorities is that our teachers have the very best subject knowledge possible. Um, and of course, all of our teachers are fully qualified teachers in the UK in line with the English national curriculum. So it's also our specialism that we're able to offer around the world. And tell me a bit about sort of your background. In you, you mentioned that you were, you know, a physical school head teacher before, and you sort of mentioned, like, say, the, the focus being taken off uh, the burst pipes and the electricity and, and all that kind of thing. Um, so, how does your sort of day to day sort of working life differ, and, and and what are some of the similarities as well? I think the similarities are just interacting with some wonderful young people and i think anyone that goes into education at any level why do we do it we do it because we love working with young people uh, and and the highlight of my day in a physical school didn't used to be sitting in an office you know doing emails it used to be out and about with teachers with students teaching myself in classes uh, etc and, and what's remarkable with an online school is that you can have really good relationships with your students in the same way. So only two days ago, we had our virtual hot chocolate reward break time with students where all our students that were being rewarded for excellent effort in class had their hot chocolates and we were cheersing each other on our Zoom platform across the screen, etc. But you build these really wonderful relationships just like you do in a physical school. I suppose the benefit, uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, is the fact that your day can follow a more consistent structure in terms of I spend at least an hour a day going in and out of some of our lessons uh, and I know that that won't be taken away from me by some of the unpredictable events that can sometimes happen more frequently in a physical school setting. I also you know, love working with our staff and I think that online schooling has presented for, for many teachers the option to have a better work-life balance at a time when 44% of teachers are looking to leave the profession in England, according to recent surveys. Uh, and one of the big issues is well-being and workload. Being part of a school where, yes, you have the flexibility to work from home or remotely, the opportunity to get to know your students really, really well, um, but also the opportunity to start and end your day at different times, depending on which timetable you're, you're as a teacher signing up to teach, etc. I think the well-being of our colleagues um, is far greater than what you typically find in a physical school as well. And it, it's a real privilege to be able to be part of that. And I guess you have, let's say, a, a staff room and a, and a common room and, and those same sort of interactions that, like you said, that you had for your pupils as well. Yeah, absolutely. We do. Students are in, in their virtual common rooms, but we also yeah. have physical meetups as well. So last month we have a number of families in Dubai um, and they had a physical meetup on a Sunday. I think they had a picnic in a park. Um, before the pandemic, we... Uh, had away weekends in the, the Lake District for students that would sign up to them. Uh, and going forwards, there are regular opportunities for physical meetups as well. We had our junior school teaching staff in Manchester for their end of year do a couple of weekends ago. So yeah, there is that physical connection um, that's really important as well within the school. And we sort of touched on, on the pandemic. I mean, from a, a purely sort of numbers point of view, is it been a suddenly sort of an explosion of people wanting to, to be part of the school 
because the options there, which wasn't necessarily maybe on their mind before, because like I said, you, you were well and truly running running before that, or or actually has it been sort of a steady progress because the type of people who want to come, like you say, are coming for specific needs as opposed to wanting to just be in their normal sort of school that's sort of just down the road? Yeah, it's a really good question. We did, when, when the pandemic uh, emerged, there was a significant increase because for lots of people, both globally and in the UK, I think they were really concerned understandably about the impact of lost learning perhaps they didn't feel as if they were getting a good enough deal out of their current education providers and so people certainly were looking for something that was high quality structured um, and they felt confident in Uh, so we did see a significant increase then but we've retained that since as well and i think the the real game changer in a way was the fact that almost everybody has now experienced online learning, whether it was for good or for worse, whether it was a good experience, a bad experience, it's no longer a strange concept. It's no longer uh, an alien concept to people. Everyone has to some extent come on the journey of seeing what the capability is when it comes to online education. And I think certainly for me as well, I mean, just in terms of, not necessarily in terms of schooling, but in terms of meetings and, and just sort of living online for for so many different aspects is the fact there's also good bad and indifferent isn't there and I think that's that's been the key thing you suddenly when you see a really good experience or you 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 witness a really good experience that suddenly makes you think actually there's so much benefit here as well we're not making do we're actually taking the best of what what is there and actually getting rid of some of the, the more negative stuff and the things that are actually a bit more of a bind and I think having sort of had a, a range of those experiences now that must be a really good sort of thing for you to be able to say not you know, not only do we do we have the reputation um because of that history as well but you can actually come in and and, dem- and you can demonstrate it to them and, and they can witness it first time absolutely and we we run regular taster sessions um uh, as well that people come into and they really enjoy one of the, the great things often is that people uh, young people come into us and they'll, they'll have a taster or they'll do a couple of lessons with us and what's wonderful is that you can see their their families by their side or in the background and, and school isn't something that your child is now doing separately from you, but it's something you feel much more closely connected to because as a parent, you can hear it and see it, even if you're not you know intently listening or concentrating, it's there in the background. It, it's actually a lot closer to home, literally being a part of the home. And for so many parents and carers, they've really enjoyed that because they can hear the content that's being taught. They can have conversations with their child about it. They can feel as if they know what the school is like, that they're part of it. It's part of their family structure and their family home. So I think for many parents, there's that enjoyment factor. I've got four children myself who are all um, very young. So I've got all below the age of of 10 years of age and I know what it's like to that they get packed off in the morning to their physical school I have no idea what's going on uh, during the school day they come back you know I try and ask them about it but you're not quite sure imagine if every parent followed their child around a physical school for a day uh, and as you say you'd see some great stuff you'd see some pretty indifferent stuff and you might see some bad stuff as well with online school and you get to be part of that journey all the time and and I think that kind of like I say that's a collaboration and and that community aspect, isn't it? Which I think is is really good. And I th- and I think certainly for myself as a parent of of a pupil in secondary school, um, and we've had we've had two two um, children go through now, sort of post into university and beyond. It's that it's that is that sense of 
in primary, at least you get to go to the playground, even if you don't go into much beyond that. But once they get to secondary, they're literally out the front door and get themselves to school and, and, and that kind of thing. And that really is a kind of, we're just assuming that what happens there is good and the bits of feedback you get and, you know, you touch wood, everything's okay. And you'd hear if it, was, if it wasn't going to be, and then all of a sudden there's a parent's evening. <laughs> but actually to, to sort of, to be part of the conversation, just because it's a more natural conversation, because you like to say you've overheard something or seen something i just i just think i don't know it's a much more um i think like we said before in terms of a normal way of working that you will experience then as as you move on post-school yeah it's something as a family that you you live together uh, as opposed to doing separately perhaps from each other um and and of course where we are particularly fortunate i think this really helps with the community and the relationships that you you mentioned is that we tend to have uh, you know, far lower staff turnover than what you're seeing in physical schools, particularly at a secondary level, where teachers can come and go after a few months. There's this huge turnover in the in the industry, uh, and therefore relationships that students are making with staff don't tend to be perhaps as strong as they might be. Uh, and in terms of communication with home, that can be you know more difficult perhaps because of that. Whereas because of the nature of the school and the benefits of an online school, our staff stability is really high. And that means staff and students and families make really good relationships that tend to last a lot longer. And you mentioned there staff turnover and staff generally. And I'm, I'm always curious, especially someone who sort of runs a school, is, 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 there a, is there a school experience that you had or a teacher that you had, which you remember and, and obviously had an impact? And, and I guess also, you know, how does that sort of form the, your sort of view of, of what it is that you're trying to, to create and model where you are? Yeah, absolutely. I, mem- I remember... Um, Oh, goodness, wouldn't it be wonderful if he if he ever heard this? Uh, Mr. Bird was uh, was a PE teacher of mine, and uh, when I was at secondary school, I didn't I didn't love secondary school. I had a difficult first couple of years, particularly when I went into secondary school. Um, and I used to be picked to do the one thousand five hundred meters. I think I was picked because no one else would do it, uh, Mark, pretty much. But he uh, was so encouraging, and and sometimes. Um, at the time, I probably felt he was a bit hard on me sometimes. But I also remember I didn't win many, but I did win one 1,500 meter race at one point. And I remember turning around and seeing the pride and seeing the investment in him. And that was always something for me that, that made me feel like, gosh, you know, teaching is one of those professions where you can have this incredible impact on young people. So uh, I've not seen him, I don't think, since I was back in what what is year nine now but um certainly a lasting <laughs> impact and impression he left with me and is there a piece of advice you've been given which is is stuck with you or indeed is there a piece of advice you might now give your your young rob um that you think would uh would, would have had a, a benefit and i do always caveat this by the fact that we also know that when you are young you may not take that advice on board but if you haven't heard it you you can't think about it can you? i'm sure i would have ignored myself um but i suppose for me yeah that there is a principle uh, it's really important to me and it's this it's that failure is never fatal failure is never a full stop i think you know particularly when you're younger, you can fear failing at something. It can make you feel embarrassed or ashamed. It can make you want to detach from finding something that's just difficult and challenging. You you don't want to to experience it again. Um, And I think as you go through life, you begin to realise that failure isn't fatal, that failure is such an important ingredient on the journey to success. And yet we live in a society 
where increasingly with social media and, and, and some of the pressures of the 24 hour news cycle, um, it can feel like if someone fails at something, if you're a football manager and you, you lose a couple of games, you could be sacked. Um, and, you know, and that sort of culture, I think, can, can be quite a scary culture for young people to come um, into. And I think that lesson of failure isn't fatal. You learn more from the times that you fail than you do from the times you succeed. Um, and certainly that would have helped me had I been mature enough to listen to that advice when I was younger. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I was just thinking the other day, actually, you just reminded me there, there's also that sense of, of what you perceive failure to be mm. in, term, in terms of, you know, having to be good at everything every subject teacher wants you to be the, obviously the best you can but you know you're expected in inverted commas to you know get a high grade in this and a high grade in that and of course we all have different skills and different focuses um and the, this this came about because my um my daughter's on work experience for these two weeks and this week she she's she's working in town but next week she's actually going to be working with me and i had all these sort of grand ideas of of how we could go about it and what we could do and and she was very 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 clear and she said but you know i don't want to be on camera um or i don't want to necessarily because i was like we could interview anybody you can be on the podcast you can do that but she was like but actually i'd rather do all the post stuff i'd rather be behind the scenes i'm happy to do the questions i'm happy to do all those sorts of things and i thought ah but you've got an opportunity here to sort of do what i do Mm. but i thought you don't have to because there are people whose jobs are purely their skill set is in a different way and and that sort of changed my idea of, of one what these opportunities were but also you know failure would be something like oh but I don't like public speaking, but you don't have to. It might be part of that that becomes part of your job, but you find your lane in terms of what you are enjoying, you can enjoy and where you want to put your best put forward, really. Yeah, it's a really important point. We talk about this a lot at My Online Schooling, and it's this sense of wanting to have a school in terms of the culture, but also the provision where every student can experience success. Now, what they experience success in and what that looks like will depend on the individual totally. But actually, are we able to give a broad enough set of opportunities for every student to find, as you say, their lane, to find something that they enjoy, to find something in which they feel successful in, uh, that they can go home and, and, and talk about to their parents. And I think that's what we strive to do. And just finally, is there a resource that's had a big impact on your life? And this can be professional or personal, but it could be anything from a podcast, a book, a video, film, a song, and anything that sticks to brings to mind. <laughs> I might cop out this one. I think uh, for me, when it comes to my personal development, we talk about character development a lot. I've had a West Ham season ticket uh, since I was about seven years of age. So uh, sort of 30 years of pain being a West Ham United fan. And what that has taught me is how you can overcome disappointment rebuild your enthusiasm and your optimism and always uh, start the next day or the next season with with ambition however bad the experience has been previously so my West Ham <laughs> season ticket has taught me a lot in life I love that although having said that you know with the new stadium and, and David Moyes and everything you know it's a little bit different than it was um, um, a few a few years ago shall we say it's, it's got slightly better my children in the last couple of years think this is what being a West Ham fan is all about and I keep trying to say to them it may not stay like this forever it hasn't been this good for a long time uh, they now expect us to win all the time which is a dangerous territory to be in fantastic and um and fire is an incredibly important aspect of what we do here on the podcast. And by that, it's feedback, inspiration, resilience and empowerment um, as part of that acronym. Is there 
any part of that that just sort of springs springs something to mind that, that, that you want to just mention? So feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. I suppose um, feedback, I think, is something that that is so important in life. If you're a lifelong learner, I try and always make sure I'm, I'm studying for some qualification or I'm trying to develop myself. And I think that most people in education are really open-minded about development. Um, but feedback is something that is so important, particularly as a leader within education, to get right. It can so easily cross the line into judgment. We can either judge our students, we can make them feel ashamed or embarrassed. Um, I remember uh, I wasn't there personally, but I remember one of my, my older sisters, when she was at school, um, she got excluded one time. And if you ever talk to her about it now, many decades on, she would say that she'd been asked to read out loud. She was dyslexic. Um, the teacher didn't know that at the time. And she really struggled. And the teacher really uh, criticised her quite aggressively in front of her peers. And the shame that that provoked in her meant that actually the next time she was asked to read she preferred to get into a confrontation rather than actually open herself up to being wounded again and just small examples like that where feedback can be so poorly given by someone and the impact that can have either adult to adult as professionals as friends or, or as children or as teachers to students i think for me making sure that how you deliver feedback is really conscious that there's real thought that goes into it uh, rather than something that perhaps is just flippantly done it is really crucial and really important i think that's incredibly key and i think that sense of of having a safe space like you say it being supportive and, and i think it also ties in a little bit like you were saying about the failure idea it's it's actually about a learning experience and like you say hopefully people have got the empathy and and the understanding to to, to help people in the best possible way but um yeah like I say how that comes across is absolutely key and I think a really vital thing for for people to remember so Rob thanks so much for sharing it, everything about my online schooling it's it's always fascinating to sort of hear it from the outside in having obviously not been involved in it myself and you start to really get a sense I think of of what it brings to the world of education which is I guess people sometimes don't understand just because school is just school and that's what you go to the one down the road or you pick this school because this is where you want to go. And I think having this whole new world of options out there and being able to hear from sort of the inside out, I think is, is really good. So just, just tell people where they can, they can find out more and do some more investigation. Absolutely. So you can um, just type into any search engine, my online schooling, you'll see us appear uh, on our website. We have a live chat function so you can talk to one of our team who are always available or on hand to come back at you we also host every couple of weeks um, some online open virtual events for either the secondary school or the junior school where you get to meet some of our staff you get to have a taster lesson and you get to find out a bit more about us as well i think you're right i think what we're really keen to do is to make sure physical schools will always have their place of course they will and quite rightly they will and for some young people it will be the best place for them to have their education but online schools like my online schooling should be part of a wider menu of education provision that could mean that some young people have the flexibility have the opportunity to re-engage with learning to enjoy their education um, and to have an education that enables them to experience success and i think that's what online schooling can offer um, both in the uk and across the world too so if anyone's interested in finding out more please do reach out to us and we'd be delighted to speak to you 
fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that fantastic insight and really appreciate your time. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.